Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Challenges are inevitable in life, but how you deal with and learn from them greatly impact you. Jerry Schemmel was on United Airlines Flight 232, a regularly scheduled one from Denver to Chicago. But on July 19, 1989, Flight 232 crashed and 112 passengers died while another 184 survived. In part two of our talk, Jerry will share how his perspective changed and inspired him to pursue so many different passions. Let's get to it. Jerry Schemmel felt lucky to secure a seat on United Flight 232 from Denver to Chicago O'Hare. His original flight was scheduled to depart at 7 a.m., but got canceled. Future flights were all booked, and he wasn't sure if he'd make it to Chicago that day. He was working as a broadcaster for the Continental Basketball Association, and he and the league commissioner, Jay Ramsdale, got the final two seats available on the plane. The flight took off at 2.09 Central Standard Time, and everything was fine until 3.16 when there was a sudden explosion in the back of the plane. But here's the thing, it wasn't a sudden crash. There was about 40 minutes before the plane crash landed at the airport in Sioux City, Iowa. Jerry recalled to OTB Sports that some passengers prayed, others penned letters, and some planned what they would do if they did survive. The plane slammed into the ground at twice the usual speed of a landing. All told, 112 passengers died and 184 survived. Jerry's colleague, Jay Ramsdell, was among those who died that day. So what did Jerry learn from that life-changing experience? And how did surviving such a deadly plane crash change him? Find out now. Yeah, Jerry, I really see so much of myself and you and just that we both have had such unique careers and both being very passionate about sports. I mean, you've done so many different things, right? I mean, you've, you've done play-by-play for professional teams like the Nuggets and Timberwolves and Rockies. You did this bike race and, and won a big title, 3,000 miles. Tell me about just why that stuff has been so important to you and how have you been able to remain so plugged into sports and why is it important for you? Yeah, well, first, Sean, you say I did all these things. I didn't do all of them real well, but I did a lot of different things. <laughs> to answer your question, the motivation for me to, to do all this stuff is a plane crash that I survived 32 years ago. And I remember after that, and 112 people died in the crash. And I remember after that telling myself, you know what? You need to go for it. You, you got to live life to its fullest. And if you want to try to make it in the NBA, go for it. If you want to try to do Major League Baseball games, go for it. If you want to ride your bike across the country and race other people, you got to go for it because life is just way too short. And, you know, I saw these people around me die in this plane crash. And I thought, gosh, I have my life given back to me. I get a second chance here. So take advantage of it. Don't sit around and watch TV or sit on your couch and get out and do stuff and, and follow your dreams. So that really was the motivation for me. Um, my wife says that, you know, I kind of had a, a lot of motivation before that, but I think the plane crash really kind of put me over the top of that. Mm. And it was, you know, well, let's go. The life is short. Let's live it to its you wrote a book, Chosen to Live, about surviving that plane crash. What is a lesson you think the young people and families that listen to my podcast could really get from your book, Chosen to Live? Yeah, it's, it's this, Sean. It's that 
everybody has their own plane crash. You have one. I don't know what yours is, but you, I know you have a plane crash. Maybe young people that might be listening to this podcast haven't had that tragedy yet, but that they will. You're going to have something happen in your life. You're going to have your own plane crash. It might not be as bad as what I went through. It might be worse than what I went through. I, I know a lot of worse things than, than surviving a plane crash that, that I could go through that I don't want to. So everybody has their own plane crash and everybody has the opportunity with their plane crash to pick themselves back up again. If you get knocked down, you pick yourself back up um, and you try to move forward again because that's what life is going to get you. Life is extremely rewarding, but it can be very challenging too. And we get knocked down. The key is to pick ourselves back up. And then once we get back on our feet to be better than we were before we got knocked down. So that's that's the message that, that I want the book to have for people. It's, you know what, you're going to have your own tragedy, but hey, if I can do this, if I can get back in the game, you can do the same thing. One of the words to the title of your book is, I, it just resonates so deeply with me and I, I say a variation of it to my children all the time. You always have a choice and I can sit here and try to influence and provide opportunities for my children, but I always tell them that you have that choice on whether you're gonna maximize that opportunity, you know, whether you're going to make up for a mistake that you've made. You know, my children aren't robots, right? They're not gonna do exactly what I tell them. I can't program them. And so I always just talk to my children about the importance of choices. So I love the title of your book, Chosen to Live, you know, and it's, it's just such a powerful thing. So so thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate you saying that too. And it's so true. Um, and I try to tell young people this all the time. We've told our kids this, you know, take responsibility for your actions. It's not somebody else's fault all the time. Maybe once in a while it might be, but you know, it's, you, it, it's your life and take responsibility for it. But you have the choice. You can go one direction or you can go the other. You can do the right thing or you can do something that might not be the right thing or borderline wrong thing. But you're right that we have choices. All of us do, kids and, and adults. And um, it's a matter of pushing that right button, making that right decision each and every time. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was a beat writer for many years. So, you know, writing and I did some television and radio. But man, I have such an appreciation for the job that you did for so many years as a play-by-play -play guy. To me, I don't care what platform changes. When you have good play-by-play, -play, it just enriches like the sporting experience. You know, like I, I just think of some of my favorite play-by-play -play guys. And then we've got a terrific one here. I'm not a Vikings fan per se, but when I watch it, you know, Paul Allen, who's a very good friend of mine, he's just phenomenal. And I just love his passion and his knowledge. Tell me something about what it is about play-by-play -play that you love so much. I think it's the challenge, Sean, of painting a picture, um, because yeah. if somebody is listening to you do play by play and they're not watching TV and some people turn the TV on and put the radio on, uh, which which is a compliment. That's that's awesome. Um, but I, I always think about this when I do a game. I kind of strange, but I, it, it works for me. I think about somebody listening to the broadcast that's blind. They can't mm -hmm. see anything. So you have to paint the entire picture for that person. Uh, and I think baseball is, and I did uh, the Rockies for 10 years, is a great example of the challenge of that. You want to put that person in the seat at Coors Field watching the game. So you want to talk about the weather and about the crowd and the history of the stadium and the story behind this player and his coming off his injury. And you, you can throw stats out there, but 
you don't want to overdo it, but you want to paint the whole picture. Hey, that foul ball was caught by a fan. Boy, what a great catch. A guy in a bright red shirt caught that one. I can't even believe that he Hmm. saw that base. You know, that kind of thing, I think, really enhances the broadcast and paints that picture for the listener. And that's what I always did with radio. I always tried to to put myself in that seat, watching that game by listening to that broadcaster on the radio. And that's what really kind of helped me uh, accept that challenge and and, and be a a decent play-by-play guy. Now I want to shift our focus to endurance sports. I mean, you've run marathons and done triathlons and done these ridiculously long bicycle races. The longest I've ever run, I believe, is nine miles. That's the longest. I did it once with a friend of mine who was a a marathon athlete, and it was excruciating on the body, obviously. What does it take to be so good at endurance sports like that? Because there's there's always got to be that point, right, where your body wants to quit. How do you sort of work your way through that? Yeah, I think it's it's so mental, Sean. It's it's perseverance. I, I think for me, the the answer to that question is I have it in my mind before I start the event that I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this thing. It hasn't always worked. I've had to drop out of some races, including last summer. Um, but for the most part, that is. I know what's going to happen. There's going to be a point where I got lots of pain and I feel like quitting and it it might happen once. It might happen a thousand times on a, like a race across America on a bicycle, uh, literally a thousand times. You just, all you want to do is stop. You want to stop pushing the pedals, but you convince yourself that that's not uh, an option. And for me, it's that it's um, I'm going to this race knowing I'm going to suffer, but I'm still going to do it because that's my goal. And so I, I just talk myself out of the pain sometimes. And sometimes you just work through it. And I found this, especially with running and with cycling, you're always going to hit a point where you feel bad, but it always seems to get better. The cycling, especially for me, it's like, man, I just feel terrible. I feel like just getting off my bike and vomiting right now. But in 10 more miles, I feel fine. So you just kind of work yourself past those stages and and just try to, to tough it out as best you can mentally and physically. What is it about those sports that keeps you coming back? (laughs) <laughs> I think for cycling, it is, uh, it's such a great sport because anybody can do it. I mean, I, I rode, I rode with a woman who weighs 350 pounds the other day. I, I rode about two miles with her and she's trying to lose weight. And, and then there's me at 150 pounds and I'm 61 years old and I can still ride my bike. I can't run much anymore. I had a knee replacement, so I can't do the marathons, but there's something about cycling that's just so rewarding because everybody can do it. Number one, you can go fast, you can see things, you can socialize. So I, I think for cycling, for me, it is, man, it's just, I, I don't care who I am, how, how big or small I am, how old I am. I can get on my bike and I can have a great time. Hmm. Now, I saw something where you were doing a race through the Mojave Desert and you had to withdraw because of heat stroke. I mean, what, I, that just doesn't seem like a good situation to put yourself in, Jerry. <laughs> no, it probably wasn't. But um, I was... Yeah, that was happened last summer. That was the race across America, and I was doing it as a solo racer. And I'd done the race as a, a part of relay in 2015. And it was disappointing, Sean, because I had trained for a year and I was ready. Um, and I I was confident I could make it through the desert. I had gone that same route to the Mojave twice and not had a lot of problems. But you know, the heat waves that we saw last summer hit right when we were going through that, and it was 121 degrees. 
literally 121 degrees the day that uh, I got hit by hit, heat stroke. So I was, well, this too, there were 17, I think, people, that uh, solo racers that started this race and only three finished. So I wasn't alone in having to drop out, but all people did the same thing I did. They couldn't make it through the desert. They had to drop out for, for health reasons. And looking back now, I wish I would have considered more seriously going to the hospital, getting the IV fluids and getting back on the bike and trying it again. But the time, it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. All right, the last two questions I always ask my guests. What's your message to the parents of young athletes today? Mm, it, it's this. Uh, don't take it too seriously and let the kids have fun. Um, that's what it's all about, right? I coach baseball and some other sports for so long, and the, the parents' involvement can be so negative and such a terrible experience for the child that it, it just it ruins everything. So my advice to parents would be, hey, encourage your kids to play and then step out of the way. Just to be nothing but positive. You don't need to yell during games. You don't need to yell at umpires. You don't need to yell at your child during a match or a game. Just let them play and let them have fun and encourage them. And that's the experience everybody's looking for. So my advice to be for, for parents would be, hey, let your kids have fun and step away while they're playing. And then my last question for you is, what's your message to young athletes? It's this, um, two things. Number one, um, do what you want to do. Don't go into sports because your parents thought it was a good idea or your older brother did this particular sport. Participate in sports because you want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, it's no big deal. You can do something else. Find something you're good at that you have a passion for and, and roll up your sleeves and get after it. But do it for the right reasons. Do it because it's something you want to do and not that someone else wants you to do. Because if you're pushed into it or pressured into it, you're never going to enjoy it. It's not going to be a great experience for you. You're going to do it because you have to do it, not because you want to do it. So find what you're good at, find what you're passionate about and pursue it the best you can. That's great advice. Well, Jerry, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Absolutely, Sean. Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast, subscribe, and share. And don't forget, you can contact me through my website, seankjensen.com. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you next time.